The Seahawks are officially in a three-way tie for first place in the NFC West. How did they get it done against the Cardinals on Sunday? I'm going to be breaking down a surprising dominant defensive effort at Lumen Field on our latest postcast on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Thanks to all the 12s out there for hanging around for our postcast and listening to our podcast five days a week. Had some technical difficulties that I had to get through, tried to start the show at nine o'clock as scheduled. Unfortunately, sometimes technology doesn't allow you to do things exactly how you want to. But here we are, ready to break down the Seahawks' 19-9 to victory over the Arizona Cardinals at Lumen Field on Sunday. Certainly not the score anybody was expecting heading into this contest. I'm going to talk about how this turned into a defensive slugfest, the Seahawks flipping everything they've done in the first five games on its head and finding a way to win this game to move to 3-3 three and three, plus our weekly game balls and 3-up, three 3-down. Three this postcast is brought to you by... Prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players that if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. All right, let's get to the coverage of today's game. The Seahawks taking on the Arizona Cardinals at Lumen Field. And I think everybody was anticipating going into this game that this was going to be a high-scoring affair. In fact, on our Thursday crossover with Alex Clancy, the host of Locked On Cardinals, both of us, from a betting angle, we were hammering the over button on over 50 points between these two teams because the Cardinals have plenty of fireworks even without DeAndre Hopkins, the Seahawks entered this game with the seventh best scoring offense in the NFL, and they'd been putting a ton of points on the board, hadn't really been stopping anybody in recent weeks. So this really felt like it was going to be an offensive shootout once again at Lumen Field. And it turned out it ended up being the exact opposite. The first half, really the first three quarters, was a field goal war between these two teams that the Seahawks ultimately ended up winning. And really, it was a major turn in the tide on defense for the Seahawks. Looking at some of the stats from today's game, the Cardinals averaged just 4.4 yards per play. That includes four yards per passing play. That's a huge switch up from how the Seahawks had performed in their first five games. They were giving up a ton of explosive plays, giving up big chunks, Pretty much seemed like every other play they were giving up chunk plays, and that did not happen. There were certainly a few explosives in this game. Kyler Murray finished with 100 rushing yards, but everyone else that ran the football, the actual running backs, the non-quarterback rushers, 43 yards on the ground under 2.5 yards per carry. So that was a major improvement for the Seahawks and really what ultimately dictated this game. In my opinion, when you look at the way things played out, and this goes back to keys to victory on our Friday episode. The Seahawks have had a lot of success in the past against Kyler Murray when they have been able to generate interior pressure, not necessarily blitzing, but their defensive tackles finding ways to collapse the pocket on Kyler Murray 
with his height being 5'10", or maybe even 5'9", has a really difficult time seeing receivers once he's got big linemen getting pushed back into the pocket. And the Seahawks were, again, really successful doing that in this game, a very aggressive pass rush that ended up helping out the outside linebackers, it helped the safeties. Ryan Neal had a sack in this game. But this really boils down to the way that Puna Ford, Quentin Jefferson, and Shelby Harris, and I guess you can include Miles Adams in there as well, all four of those guys were consistently collapsing the pocket on Kyler Murray. And it seemed like all afternoon he had pressure bearing down on him. He wasn't able to get comfortable. He found some success getting outside of the pocket. But for the most part, the Seahawks edge defenders did a good job of containing. So you mix those two things together. You're getting interior pressure from your offensive tackles. Your edge rushers are containing pretty well. Had a few times they got too deep upfield. But overall, Really, the entire defensive front did a fantastic job executing the game plan, much as they did last year in the season finale in Arizona when they sacked Kyler Murray five times, able to do it six times in this game, six different players. You had three interior defensive linemen, two edge rushers, and a safety all combining for sacks. And so Kyler Murray was never able to get comfortable in this game, and that really was a game changer for the Cardinals, who their offense is still built around the passing game had a few explosives down the field, but they could not find consistent success through the air. Murray was underthrowing a lot of passes in this game, especially shorter routes thrown into the turf. Just never seemed like he was able to really get into a rhythm. There would be a chunk play, and then the drive would get stagnant. Just not something we're used to seeing from the Seahawks, who forced three three and outs in this football game. I don't know if they had that many in their first five games combined. And then you look at the third down and fourth down numbers. This is really what changed this football game in favor of the Seahawks. Arizona went four for 16 on third down. They were one for five on fourth down. The one conversion they had was late in the fourth quarter, deep in their own territory. The Seahawks were willing to give up the first down there. They just weren't going to give up a play over the top. But their first three that they missed on were all in field goal range. Even with a backup kicker, they were easily in field goal range. Two of them were in the red zone. And Cliff Kingsbury decided to roll the dice and go for it. And they ran pass plays on all three of those plays. None of them were converted. One of them thrown into the ground to Rondale Moore. There was another one that Quentin Jefferson got back into the pocket and sacked Kyler Murray. None of them ended up coming close to working out. And the Seahawks basically, you know, Pete Carroll said, you're creating turnovers. It's just turnovers on downs. The Seahawks were able to force three of those. And that took nine, maybe even more points off of the scoreboard for the Arizona Cardinals in those situations. And Seattle was not great in the red zone either in this football game. They were one for five in red zone situations. They scored a pivotal touchdown late with Ken Walker the third, but they were settling for field goals. In the end, though, those field goals started to feel like touchdowns with how poor the Cardinals' offense was playing, how well the Seahawks were playing defensively, getting after Kyler Murray. The weight of each of those successive field goals, it really started to dog the Cardinals because they just couldn't get anything going. Finished with just three points on offense today. They got a gifted touchdown on a special teams mishap. I'm sure I will get to that later in the show, but all things considered, this Seahawks defense, this was the most unexpected performance. I mean, Arizona has been starting slow every single game, so that should not have been a surprise early that their first drive, as promising as it was, ended up sputtering. They had to settle for a field goal, but for them in the second half, not to be able to put any points up on the board on offense, they've been electric in the second half of games. They've been one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL in the final two quarters. 
That did not carry over this game. The Seahawks from start to finish, you take out the first couple plays where the Cardinals marched quickly into Seahawks territory. You take that out of the equation. Man, what a phenomenal performance from the defense. It started with the pass rush, the ability to get after Kyler Murray and get him off of his game with that interior pressure, containing off the edge. After his 42-yard run in the opening drive, he had a couple other nice runs, but the Seahawks were able to create turnovers on one of those. And I think that would be the other thing that I would hit on here before we move to the game balls. I think the biggest reason this defense is taking the next step forward, you get the pass rush today, but you have to credit the play of their rookies. Boy, Mafe had a couple of really nice plays defending the run, but you have to look at the historic the history-making rookie phenoms that the Seahawks have in the secondary. Tariq Woolen with his fourth interception in his many games, picking off Kyler Murray on a go ball. Quandre digs after the game. I don't know why teams are still throwing go balls at a six foot four corner that runs a four two six forty, but teams continue to do it, and Woolen is making them pay for it. That is four straight games of the pick. That's the first time any Seahawk player has done that since Brandon Browner in two thousand eleven. Just the seventh time in franchise history, 14th rookie in NFL history to have four picks in his first six games, and he's the first rookie, according to Seahawks PR, since 1970 with a fumble recovery and an interception in consecutive games. So the fifth round pick out of UTSA continues to make plays, and so does fourth rounder Kobe Bryant, who punched the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands in the third quarter. He had a first down on a nine-yard scramble was going towards the red zone, looked at the Cardinals were going to threaten to cut that lead even further down and punch the ball out. Woolen's the one that recovered it. So these two rookies continue to come up with big plays. And that, by the way, since 1999, when they started tracking, Kobe Bryant is the first rookie ever with four forced fumbles in his first six games, according to Pro Football Reference. So again, these two guys, they're etching their names in the record books. The Seahawks are getting so many contributions from rookies on both sides of the football, and that's making this 3-3 three and three record all the more exciting. It's supposed to be a rebuilding year, and maybe to an extent it really is, but they're exceeding expectations from a record standpoint. They're tied for first place in the NFC West. A big part of that has been this 2022 draft class, you now have six players that are starting or at least playing the bulk of the snaps for Seattle. This group is looking like it's going to be a special one, particularly those secondary players coming up with turnovers seemingly week in, week out. And that really fueled this defensive performance for the Seahawks, holding the Cardinals to three points in offense, nine points total. Going to get to the game balls here in a moment. Offense, defense, special teams, plenty of selections to choose from in all three phases of the game. Who did I pick? We're going to get to that coming up here next on our postcast edition of Locked on Seahawks. We've got a big Monday night game coming up between the Broncos and the Chargers. I'm picking Justin Herbert to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns while Russell Wilson will snap out of his funk with a pair of touchdown passes to Cortland Sutton. Those might seem like bold leaps, but with prize picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test pick two to five players and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry no competing against other people it's just you versus the projections available and prize picks offers projections on almost any sport that you could watch whether it's the nfl nba mlb college football nascar boxing even disc golf if you want to entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy with safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play. 
Daily Fantasy Sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to the postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host Corbin Smith. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. I guess you could say six days a week if you listen to all of our shows during weekdays as well as our postcast on Sunday. As always, we greatly appreciate you. The Seahawks moving to three and three, getting a big win over the Arizona Cardinals at home on Sunday. Their NFC West home opener. This outcome ended up being a pretty surprising one. I think everybody was thinking that this was going to be an offensive football game, tons of points on the board, and that ended up not being the case. Polar opposite. And these two teams, when they get together, I've been saying this all week long, bizarre things happen. And that certainly was the case on Sunday with the Seahawks winning this one, 19 to nine, holding the Cardinals to just three points on offense. The Seahawks defense looked like a juggernaut and they have been anything but that in the first five games. Let's get to our game balls for this victory for the Seahawks. Going to start on the offensive side of the football. I was mentioning the rookie class for the Seahawks. And of course, I got to have a rookie on the offensive side of the football with Geno Smith having a decent but not great game. I don't think a lot of it was his fault. He was under duress a good portion of this game. Maybe the worst game the offensive line has played with the exception of the 49ers loss in week two. They had a lot of issues with the stunts that the Cardinals were running on defense, but they leaned on the ground game. And Ken Walker III, his first career start, goes for 97 yards on 21 carries. And this was with several runs by him getting blown up, especially early in the game. There were a couple of third and short runs where he had no fighting chance. As soon as he got the football, J.J. Watt and company were several yards in the backfield ready to bring him down. They weren't able to get a lot of push, and yet you got to see just how explosive this kid is, the suddenness, the ability to break tackles, to make defenders miss, the contact balance. The entire package was on display today in his first start right from the outset. The Seahawks in their first drive only got a field goal, and that was all that the first half wrote for both teams. They just couldn't get in the end zone. But Walker had a 17-yard run on a direct snap. I got to give Geno Smith a lot of credit on that play. He did a great job selling it. Everybody in the press box thought that the snap flew over his head. So that was an Academy Award-winning acting job by Smith. And the Cardinals fell for it. And it was a 17-yard run of the direct snap to Walker. Very next play, starts up the middle and then cuts outside. It almost looked like a Rashad Penny run. Gets 34 yards there. Suddenly the Seahawks are in position to score. Only got the field goal, but still. Two runs there, a 17-yarder and 34-yarder. A big chunk of Walker's yardage coming on those plays. He had a couple nice catches out of the backfield. One on a bubble screen where I think he got six yards. And for Seattle, six yards on a bubble screen, that is a lot of yardage. That has been a struggle for them running screens in general. So he's getting involved in the receiving game. And really, the best run that Ken Walker III had came in the second half. Ran outside. And the Cardinals did a good job spilling the run to the sideline. And it looked like he was dead for right along the sideline. There were three or four Cardinals right there. And he managed to bounce off of all of these tacklers and stay in bounds. The contact balance was maybe the most impressive thing that I saw from any of his runs, any of his traits in this game. The ability to stay upright, avoid going out of bounds, ended up picking up 21 yards on that carry. The Seahawks couldn't punch it in but they got a field goal on that drive and 
in this game, three points felt like you got 20 points on the scoreboard, as low scoring as it was. And so getting a big run like that, and then you add in the 11-yard touchdown run in the middle of the fourth quarter that gave the Seahawks a 10-point lead. They did not relinquish that lead at all the rest of the game. He just made it look way too easy. Stiff arms the defender, gets outside, turns on the Jets, gets to the corner, and then Shoots past the Cardinals defense inside the pylon, six points. Only offensive touchdown either team scored today. So even with some suspect blocking at times in this game, you got to see the reigning Doak Walker award winner show out and get almost to the 100-yard mark. If not for a few negative plays, he would have done it. He would have hit the century mark for the first time. He's going to have plenty of opportunities to do that with the talent he possesses and the fact the Seahawks are going to make him now the feature back. Impressive first start for him. On the defensive side of the football, I always love it when we get a player that the week before was on the three-down list and ends up getting a game ball. And that's exactly what Puna Ford did. And it's the polar opposite of what we've seen most of the season. It just feels like he has been a non-factor in most of Seattle's games to this point. And maybe you can point to the scheme change, playing a different position, whatever it's been. He just has not been a factor. He hasn't been involved in the pass rush. He hasn't been making the plays, penetrating the backfield, getting tackles in the run game that we've seen from him. But he was awakened today, and it was a vintage Puna Ford performance. Five tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack, and he also had a pass breakup. And those last two numbers there in the second half, those were back-to-back plays, and it really characterized how well this entire defensive line played. Ford was able to get to Kyler Murray and get the sack, just quick penetration, rocketing through the line. Very next play, he's not able to get that step through the gap and get into the backfield, gets his paws up, swats the pass down. These are the kind of plays that we got used to seeing Puna Ford make the last four seasons, and that's why it's been so weird to see how poor the performance has been, at least by his standards, that he's been a non-impact player. Today, he absolutely was stuffing the stat sheet, doing a number of things well. He was one of the reasons the Cardinals could not get their run game going away from Kyler Murray. Every time they tried to run the football between the tackles with their running backs, it seemed like 97 was right there waiting for him. So hopefully this is a stepping stone and not just a one-game aberration. We're going to start seeing the Puna Ford that we've seen the first four years. You get him teamed up with a healthy Al Woods and the way Shelby Harris and Quentin Jefferson played today. The defensive line was supposed to be a strength for this football team. That's why it's been so surprising how inconsistent they've played, particularly defending the run. They're hoping this is that stepping stone that this group can play to the level that everybody expected going into the season. That takes a lot of pressure off of the rest of the defense if your interior defensive line is playing at that kind of level. Kudos to Puna Ford for going out and having a great game. And maybe it's the Cardinals, too. He's played really well against the Arizona Cardinals, had one and a half sacks, six pressures last year in the season finale against him. Whatever it is, he loves playing Arizona and Kyler Murray, and that continued on Sunday with a massive performance along the defensive line. And going to special teams, this one is an easy pick. Really, most of the Seahawks' offense today was Jason Myers going four for four on field goals on the afternoon. And you think of all the points that the Cardinals ended up throwing away by going forward on fourth down and not kicking field goals in this contest. The Seahawks were able to take advantage of those opportunities. The Cardinals did not, and Myers was money. All of his kicks split in the uprights with ease. There weren't any of them that you were worried were going to end up going wide left or wide right. 
He was on his A game today, and they needed him to be in a defensive slugfest. Really, the kicker is one of the most important players because you're not going to get a lot of opportunities to score points to finish drives. I thought about giving Joey Blunt this award for the second straight week because he had a couple really impressive plays in kick coverage, but you can't deny Jason Myers the award when he contributed most of the points in the scoreboard. You get one touchdown on offense, but you got four field goals, 12 or 19 points coming directly from his leg. Give Jason Myers the kudos. Uh, he gets his second game ball this season and continues what's been a pretty strong season for the most part for him. Bouncing back from last year was a pretty rough year for him. He has played not quite to his 2020 form, but he's been much closer to that than he was the two other seasons in Seattle where his numbers were pretty underwhelming. He's generally been reliable and accurate this year, and he's kicked really well on long kicks for the Seahawks as well. Another really good performance for him against the Cardinals. All right, shifting gears now as we do each and every week on the postcast. We got to have our three up, three down. Our studs and duds. Which players impressed the most in this victory over the Cardinals? And which players will be looking to bounce back and have a little better week next week when they face off against the Chargers in LA? Going to start off with the positives, the three up, the players that were the studs of week nine. And I could have put a lot more players in three. There's a reason we have our game balls as well. I disqualify game ball winners from being on this list because I've already chatted them up. But three other players that had really impressive games. Let's start with the receiver position, D. Eskridge. And I have been as critical as anybody of D. Eskridge's play on here. Just the fact he has not been able to get himself into the rotation and be a consistent threat for the Seahawks in offense. But this was one of those games. You have to give the Cardinals a ton of credit because they really took DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both out of this football game. And Metcalf, for most of the game, didn't have any catches. Every time Geno Smith was trying to get the ball to him, it was a very difficult throw to make, and he was getting bracket covered almost every single down. And Tyler Lockett was very quiet, too. Both of them had worse statistical games that we've really seen from them all season. And yet the Seahawks were able to get just enough momentum in the passing game with Marquise Goodwin and D. Eskridge stepping up. Eskridge in particular, three catches for 39 yards. All three of them went for first downs. They were clutch catches. We get to see some of the after-the-catch ability, too. But had one play where he broke a tackle. If he would have been brought down, it would have been a few yards short. Ended up getting a few yards past the sticks. That's what you drafted D. Eskridge for. He was supposed to be a player that was supposed to immediately improve that yak yardage and be a guy that could give you some manufactured offense in the passing game. Finally get to see a glimpse of that in this game. And you have to believe Geno Smith's confidence throwing to him is going to go up because he caught every pass he threw at him today, proved himself to be reliable. He was creating after the catch. If they can get him involved with Metcalf and Lockett having better games, they're going to have better games than they had today. The Cardinals did a great job taking them out of the picture for the most part, but Eskridge, Goodwin, and the tight ends were able to pick up a lot of the slack. So it's really nice to see Eskridge go out and play. They were worried because he had an illness this week, and yet he was able to come back from not having a full week of preparation and really came up with some clutch catches for the Seahawks. Now, with the way they played on defense, I have to go with the other two selections being defensive players. Daryl Taylor, much the same as Puna Ford. I have been very critical of his play up to this point, particularly defending the run. That is still an area that is of concern. There were a few times today where he got kicked out or he didn't set the edge. He has still got a long way to go in that regard. But 
He was a thorn in Kyler Murray's side today, and he was a big part of the Seahawks having the success that they did with their interior pass rush, too. These two things go together. You want to get the penetration pushing the pocket back inside, but you also want the fast yet contained rushes on the outside. And I thought Daryl Taylor did a heck of a job with that. He had a strip sack, his second strip sack of the season, had a couple other plays where he was right in Kyler Murray's face when other players were bearing down on him. I thought this was easily his most disruptive game, and you've got to see what he can bring you right now. He is a situational pass rusher until he starts to develop as a run defender and shows that he's not going to freelance as much, doesn't get pushed around as much, sets the edge better. He is going to have limited snaps. Boy, Mafe now is in the starting lineup and he is playing well, at least as a run defender. They need more from him as a pass rusher. But Taylor right now, this might be the best situation for him being a situational rusher, continuing to develop as a player. And you could still be a highly disruptive player playing a third or 40% of the snaps as a pure pass rusher. And that's what he was able to do today. If they can get games like today consistently out of Daryl Taylor, he still has a chance to put up some really good pass rushing numbers, get a number of sacks. It's certainly a positive step forward for him against a line that has decent tackles as well. For him to have the game he did, get into Kyler Murray's face and consistently pressure him, that is a positive step forward. And staying on the defensive side of the football, Kobe Bryant, I mentioned him earlier. I've talked about Tariq Woolen ad nauseum with what he is doing right now. I truly believe he is playing at an all-pro level. If you can find four corners in the NFL that are playing better than him right now, I'll show you a liar. That's just the way I feel at this point. He has been nothing short of fantastic as a rookie. He's putting up incredible numbers. Quarterbacks aren't testing him, and when they do, they pay. But I think we've got to give Kobe Bryant a bit more attention here. And I will admit it, the first couple of games he played in place of Justin Coleman, there were some serious struggles. The penalties were a real problem. I think he had one game with three penalties alone, and they were always coming on third down. They were drive-extending penalties that really hurt the Seahawks, particularly in that game against Atlanta. But the last few weeks, we've really seen this kid start to come of age as he gains experience. You have to remember, he hadn't played the slot really at all. Up to this point with the Seahawks, he didn't play in the slot at Cincinnati. He didn't play there in high school. He's kind of been learning the position on the fly, a very savvy player. So it's easier for somebody like him that's instinctive, really knows the game to make that transition. But still, it's a new position he hasn't played. You could see that rawness the first couple of games in place of Coleman, but he has gotten better every single week. Last week, should have had a pass break on the end zone. I will contend that that was not a touchdown, at least by my interpretation of the rules, but they awarded Alave the touchdown. That ended up being a difference in the seven-point loss to the Saints. This game, he gets eight tackles. He had a really nice blitz where he hit Kyler Murray. He also had the forced fumble that he punched out of Murray's hands. He's just been doing a little bit of everything. Had a pass breakup in this game. He's doing it all out of the slot position. And I was actually concerned going to this game, him going against Rondale Moore. Would he be able to handle him athletically? Not only did he do that, he played with the physicality you have to to be able to limit yards after the catch, made a number of really nice tackles, contributed as a blitzer, and obviously the forced fumble as well. He keeps coming through with big plays, really doing a great job for the Seahawks. And you got to be excited with having two rookie corners that are playing as well as they are, creating as many turnovers as they are, maybe get Trey Brown back in the mix. Mike Jackson's playing well over there as well, had another nice game. Sidney Jones got some reps today. So pass rush leads to better play in the secondary, but these guys week in, week out are making really big plays. Kobe Bryant continuing to impress, 
in the slot. Now let's switch gears here, the three down. This was a little tougher this week just because the Seahawks, even though their offense did not play great. This is the kind of game that Pete Carroll was hoping for his team to finally have where the defense played well. They were able to run the football fairly well and get just enough points in the scoreboard. There's going to be games like this. You have to grind out victories and the Seahawks, their defense have not played well enough really to this point to think that they were going to be able to win a contest like this. And yet they go out and they do it. That being said, there certainly were some players that did not play well in this football game. And I've got to start with the offensive line. Charles Cross is going to have his rough games. He's a first round pick, but he is a rookie still. And the offensive line to this point, I feel like they have exceeded expectations. This is a group that had really been playing at a high level the last couple of weeks. And Arizona came into this game with just six sacks as a team. They almost equaled that amount in this game. They got five sacks on Geno Smith. Kudos to Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, for dialing up a bunch of twists and stunts. And it seemed like Charles Cross was really struggling with those. He got beat with power a couple times by Sanders, the rookie out of Cincinnati, off edge. Not necessarily known for winning as a bull rusher. He was able to do it a couple times against Charles Cross. He got hit with a big holding penalty that negated a first down. That's happened a couple times in recent weeks. So not necessarily the worst game for Charles Cross, but certainly one he's going to be looking back at on film. There's going to be areas to learn from, to grow from, because other teams are going to see this film. And the fact that Seattle's offensive line as a whole really struggled with communicating and picking up twist games, they are going to try to replicate that in future games. You can guarantee the Chargers are going to try to mix that in next week when the Seahawks head down to L.A. So he's going to have to quickly learn and regroup from those mistakes. The same could be said for Damian Lewis. You expect Lewis to be, you know, with 330, 335 pounds, to be a physical presence in the run game that can set the line of scrimmage, that can create push. I'm just not consistently seeing that from him right now. Even though they got almost 100 rushing yards, out of Ken Walker the third today, as I've mentioned a couple times on this show, they were not creating that consistent push. The Cardinals several times had multiple defenders in the backfield, and a couple of those plays were because Damian Lewis did not execute his block. There were a few times on twists and stunts that he missed his pass protection responsibility or did not pick up a player that was looping back inside, and they were able to get pressure on Geno Smith. A couple of those resulted in sacks. He has to be better. I'm still waiting for him to return to rookie form from a consistency standpoint. And I don't know if it was the switch over to left guard or if it's been all the injuries that he's had to deal with and he hasn't been able to get back in a rhythm, whatever it is. I've not seen that all Pro Football Writer Association rookie team selection play consistently the last couple of years. They need a better effort from him. I just didn't think that he played very well today. You could make an argument the entire offensive line struggled today with the way that they couldn't keep Geno Smith upright. Smith held onto the ball a little bit long at times, but really the O-line as a whole really struggled in this game. And those are the two that stood out to me on the left side. Seemed like the Cardinals were able to have a lot of success getting after Geno Smith over there, and it seemed like they weren't able to run the football very well to the left side in this football game either. I didn't pick any players on defense for three down because, quite frankly, Seattle, they held the Cardinals to three points. It's hard to envision that anybody deserves to be on this list but the Seahawks still gave up nine points in this game because of a miscue on special teams and some of our listeners may be wondering why Nick Ballore is listed here instead of Michael Dixon Dixon is the punter that fumbled in the end zone and the Cardinals recovered it for six points but 
as Nick Bloor, you know, he admitted after the game, he took the blame for it. They missed their pass protection or missed their punt protection assignment there. And that allowed a defender to come shooting right in. Michael Dixon didn't have a chance to get off the punt. There was no room. So he was trying to move up so he could maybe have a chance to boot it out of there. Didn't happen. Fumbles the ball. And that resulted from that missed protection from Nick Bellore. He took the blame on that. So you don't want to put too much on a guy for just one play, but that was a critical error for the Seahawks in this football game that resulted in six points. And we've seen this now two weeks in a row. There have been issues on the punt team. Michael Dixon gets it for last week. This week, there really was nothing he could do. You're already dealing with a short field issue where you're trying to punt much closer than you would in a normal circumstance, being pinned back in the end zone, and then a guy comes shooting through like that. You don't even have a chance to punt the ball away. Really can't blame him for what happened. Even if he held on the ball, it's it's a situation where the Cardinals are going to be getting six points. So you don't want to put yourself in that spot. The missed protection call there, they certainly are missing Travis Homer there. That falls on Belore, and so he gets to be one of the duds for today. Not too many selections for that, though. Generally, a pretty good football game for the Seahawks to improve to 3-3, and and now they're in a three-way tie for first place in the NFC West. Who would have thought the Seahawks would be in that position after six weeks, given the turbulent offseason they had, and yet here we are. They've got a prime opportunity to get above 500 facing off against the Chargers next weekend. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check out Locked On Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be rejoined by my co-host, Rob Rang. The two of us will be dishing out some Monday musings, some in-depth takeaways from today's victory over the Cardinals. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.